If you've been listening to the show the past few weeks, you know we've had a little bit of a debate over what that sound effect at the beginning of The Undertaker's music is. But there's absolutely no debate that The Undertaker is the king of gong style. And folks, we've got a brand new t-shirt available in our Tee Public store to represent that. The king of gong style. You can pick up this new design over at tpublic.com. And guess what? It's on sale this weekend only for 30% off. So you can get it on a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, a hoodie, stickers, a coffee mug, all that great stuff they have over there. Or you can pick up any of our other designs, the classic Taker Easy design, I'm a biker taker guy, taker care of business, all that good stuff. Go over there to tpublic.com and do a little bit to help support the show. Let everybody know you're a fan and show off that you bow down to the king of gong style. Now, enjoy the rest of the show. Creatures of the Night, welcome to episode 103 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all tizone. My name is Alex Doyo, and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, the Wolf of Wall Street himself, Mr. Travis White, and Travis... You know, the only thing worse, the only thing worse than, than suffering through a month of JBL in Orlando, Jordan this week on the podcast might just be the newly updated version of the WWE Network. Because, man, it has got, driven me crazy trying to prep for a podcast, watching it on that this week. The complaints have been everywhere online. What is going on? Why have they ruined this for us? Yeah, it's just confusing. There's no... Uh... Episode numbers either. It's just kind of driving me banana, as Pat Patterson would say. So <laughs> hopefully they'll work out the kinks, just like we did here on Talking Taker 102 episodes ago. So That's right. Actually, I think I just worked out one of the kinks on our audio right now. I think I just got you a little bit louder. So oh, there you go. <laughs> we're still working it out. We're a work in progress, people. <laughs> Amateur podcasters. But here we go. Yeah. Well, so we'll give the WWE Network some grace. They provided us yeah. so much great content and entertainment over the years and hopefully they'll get it all straightened out and hopefully it's not going to prevent you guys from listening to us as we go back in time to talk about the SummerSlam 2004. We're continuing our journey through The Undertaker's career one pay-per-view match at a time and talking about his world championship opportunity with John Bradshaw Layfield here, a man who we despised back in 2004, who drove us away from watching SmackDown in 2004, but... Single-handedly. Yeah, I think, though, in 2019, we may be turning a page on JBL. We have, man. I I believe so. I think uh, you and I shared kind of the same sentiments about him for our whole entire uh, you know, lives, and uh, it's just funny how revisiting this stuff. Maybe because it's for the first time for some, but you know, for both of us, you know, we haven't really seen this stuff. Uh, read about it online, but reading about it and seeing it, it's different, you know. So uh, yeah, this is kind of it's not as bad as I remember it being, you know. It's kind of fun. We'll get into that as we get into this uh, build up here to the SummerSlam 2004. So yeah, 
pretty cool stuff. Kudos to him. And again, we've we have said that we do respect the man and who he is and his you know history. But at this point in time, as a, as an eighteen year old, I hated him. So. And that's one of the great things about this podcast is going back to revisit some of this stuff. You, you think you remember it a certain way and then you, you take you, you get outside the bubble and you, mm-hmm. you're able to be beyond the, the idea of hating him because he was just a tag team guy shoved to the right. top and just actually examining what he was doing. And it gives you a different picture of it. So it does. Uh, we're going to look at that. We're going to let you guys look at that and, and come to your own conclusion here. But we're going to take you on this journey. Uh, take this time traveling hearse back to July 1st, 2004, to the SmackDown post Great American Bash 2004, and, and a time of mourning for the WWE yeah. universe at the time because oh, we lost at the pay per view. We lost our great mentor, the conscience of the conscience of the WWE. <laughs> we had to say goodbye to Paul Bearer, who was buried. Murdered, I would in fact say, on live pay-per-view television inside a concrete <laughs> crypt, confusingly by The Undertaker himself, and just one of the craziest cliffhangers in television history. Yeah, reading that in a vacuum, you're like, wait, what? What happened? <laughs> just like, I don't understand what has happened. But yeah, man, we witnessed a murder. Um, well, not so fast, my friend. Well, <laughs> you know, after being pronounced dead at the Great American Bash, Paul Bearer is taken to a local medical facility and upgraded to alive. So that's encouraging news. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Well, good old investigative journalist Michael Cole, he, you know, he puts on the serious voice and tells yeah. us that uh, Paul Bearer suffered severe inter- internal injuries to the lungs and to the trachea, which... You know, for being buried in cement, I feel like he did pretty well for himself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. could have been worse. Like his, I don't know, his mouth was like glued shut or his eyeballs were, you know, something like that or anything. But that's it, man. Just severe internal injuries to his lungs and trachea. So why is the word, why are the words severe internal injuries always like Vince's go-to? Like those three words always come out when everybody has like a big, you know, big throwdown or something like this, you know, or gets buried alive. There's always severe internal injuries. Because it's just a generic enough yeah. to where you don't actually have to explain it. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, you know, ruptured spleen or anything like that. It's just like these three words will get you by. So. Yep, that'll do it. <laughs> it's like the cut and paste in the script and then they never yeah. go back and change it or anything yeah. in there. Exactly. But uh, Taz, of course, says it's, it's severely doubtful we'll ever see Paul Bearer on SmackDown again. Uh, shows what he knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he would know. He did deal in cement, you know, as we learned last week. Right. You know. he, he is an expert. <laughs> he dabbled in cement. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're gonna, they warn everybody to, to put the kids away before they show you this graphic footage from last night. But Paul Heyman's going to interrupt everybody and make his way to the ring. He is in rare form, gloating about his power over The Undertaker, how he showed him to do the right thing at the Great American Bash, if you remember that theme from mm-hmm. last week. Uh, but even he was a bit surprised that Taker chose to do the right thing and, and pull the lever himself. So he goes and shows the, the video recap of the match, and we get to hear Paul Vera's voice screaming out one last time. And... Heyman is gloating, saying that the Undertaker is now truly unstoppable. He has no conscience, no restraints, nothing stopping him from being more destructive than ever before. And uh, unfortunately, Paul Heyman may be right about that, except he's 
not as much in control of the Undertaker as he thinks here. Because the lights are gonna go out, the lightning is gonna strike the ring post, and Undertaker is gonna appear on the video screen. And so we're we're all wondering why Taker why? What what was he thinking? What what was this all about? Why would he do this to his mentor, to his father figure, Paul Bearer? So Taker gives us his explanation. He says Amen. You showed me that I had a weakness, and that weakness was Paul Bear. I had no other choice than to get rid of him. But if I would do that to the one person that mattered to me, the only living soul that I cared for, can you imagine? Heyman, rest in peace. And that is The Undertaker's full explanation for why he murdered the man who led him to the World Wrestling Federation. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, I, I think it's a good point as far as, like, if I if I'll do this to somebody I care about, what will I do to you? You know, but again... The, the motivation for doing anything to Paul Heyman was because of what he did to Paul Bear. So the game should be over at that point, you know? Like, I, there's no there's no need to come after Paul Heyman anymore, right? I mean, he's already done the deed, <laughs> done the right thing. Right. So, yeah, I don't I mean, wh why are we proceeding? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's over. It should be over. It should be. Uh, it's just like... That's that's how we wipe this all away. Yeah. I mean, it's it's clear. Obviously, we had to get rid of Paul Bear. He's not in good health. We got to get him off TV. You want to try to make some sort of angle out of it, get something out of it, but it's just the biggest cluster you've ever seen. Like, what what is? None of this makes any right. sense out of context. Although I would like to say, let's see what you got, big boy. Like, if you were going to murder your father figure, what would you do to Paul Heyman? Mm, yes, you know? it's a big yeah. threat. So yeah, maybe yeah. he's going to make good on that next week yeah. on SmackDown. And oh man, maybe he's going to like toss Paul Heyman off the roof of the building, like he's yeah. the like Hulk Hogan <laughs> tossing the Big Show off the exactly. Cobo Hall or whatever. Yeah, all right, all right. Maybe yeah. we'll see that next week. But uh, got something big in store. Maybe so. Uh, of course, uh, we we can touch on uh, JBL. Undertaker's opponent at the SummerSlam here briefly. It's going to be a few weeks before they start interacting yeah. with each other, but just to fill you in on what's going on with him, he's going to finish off his program here with Eddie Guerrero over the next few weeks. We've got uh, like six or seven weeks of build up here. So he's going to uh, finish that off, and he is coming out on this episode of SmackDown in his big giant victory celebration. It is over the top. You've got like the flags over all the ring ropes, the balloons coming down. He's got his presidential limousine coming out. And man, as we've said on this podcast before, we hated JB all the time, but watching this back, man, he is. I hate to say it, man, but he's pretty much perfect yeah, as this <laughs> insincere, smarmy heel. He's using the hand sanitizer yeah, every time I he shakes it. somebody's hands. I love it. He says he'll kiss your babies as long as they're in good health. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, he picks his opponent for tonight, and it's going to be one of the Dudleys. 
Spike Dudley. <laughs> and perfect. It's, he's just, he is perfect, man. And if he'd have been anybody else back at this time, I would have loved it back then. But we just hated him so much because this was this jabroni, like, thrust right. into this role. But he is, he's owning it, man. He is, man. Again, I want to reiterate, it would be like Curtis Axel suddenly tomorrow <laughs> is great world champion. You know, like, he has come out of nowhere and he's done this. But, again... JBL is doing a fantastic job. It's really fun to go back and revisit this. I hear Pritchard go on and on on his show about how awesome it was. He's so proud of it. I'm like, I get sick of it. But I tell you what, man, it really is pretty cool to watch this evolution now that he's he's honed in. He knows what he's doing now. Yeah. Like, and so yeah, the sanitizer is great. You know, it's just it's going to get even better in the future here. So <laughs> good stuff. And uh, one last thing, unfortunately, it is not going to get any better in the future for a guy we mentioned on this show a couple weeks ago by the name of Mordecai, the man who was all set to be The Undertaker's next big WrestleMania opponent, was going to get this huge push. (laughs) Well, that all comes to an end on this episode of SmackDown, as his undefeated streak is broken by a man who I would say definitely overperformed his expectations, Rey Mysterio. And uh, he takes out Mordecai, and that's going to be pretty much his last gasp of relevancy here. So, yeah, enough of that. Blew it. Blew that chance of WrestleMania 21. And lost to Ray here. It just sucks. Oh, well. What you going to do? <laughs> yeah, but, oh, well. That's not all I need to <laughs> <Yeah>. say. <laughs> Maybe he'll bounce back as a vampire. You know. Who knows? <laughs> Well, um, that'll lead us on to the next week, SmackDown 255, which if you're using the network nowadays, that doesn't even matter to you. But at the time that I was taking notes, it did. They still have the date. They still have the numbers on them. But anyway, this is July 8th, 04. You know, we didn't really get a July 4th celebration. From JBL? No. Yeah. I usually I usually wind up with all the SmackDown theme uh, celebrations I talk about, but I guess we didn't get one this yeah. time. But... No apple pie match. No, no, no. Anyway, well, Massive Tool Josh Matthews is going to interview... Um, oh, excuse me. He's going to um, talk to, to JBL first about all his accomplishments. And JBL is going to talk about he doesn't think he should be in a steel cage match next week with uh, Eddie Guerrero. And he says, you know, as a warm-up, I'm going to take on El Gran Luchador, the champion of Mexico. And he tells this mass superstar that he's going to pay for his medical bills out of his own pocket. You know, he's like, since you don't have good health care down there, I'll pay my own pocket. Which, oh my that's, that's funny, man. It like, is. It really is. But um, again, this is just following up on JBL. Even though he's kind of finishing up with Eddie, that's where we're headed for SummerSlam is him and and uh, him and Taker here. So, um, but do you, do you remember last week when I was talking about how the Dudleys were in the main event? And even though it's kind of yeah, you know, weird, but like still was they are the tag team champions. They've been champions eighteen times over their careers. Right. Well, the first defense they have on SmackDown because again they were in that concrete crit match, not defending titles. The first defense they have, they lose their titles to uh, London and Kidman. So. <laughs> and they don't even have matching gear. London right. And Kidman, like gear. Not even a real attack team yet. No, exactly. It's just like, they had no clue what they were doing on SmackDown. They're just like, oh, get the tag titles off of Rico, I guess. And <laughs> we'll figure out what to do. So I don't know, man. It's just, uh, I don't know, SmackDown sucked at this no. point. They're kind of bouncing back, but they kind of suck. It's all over but, the place, man. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, man. So um, JBL and El Gran Luchador end when the old switcherooski, the old Kurt Angle, Eric Angle thing. But uh, it's obviously Eddie underneath the mask here, and he taunts and does three amigos. And you can kind of tell it's that. So you, you see where that's headed. But again, um, Josh Matthews, the massive tool, is going to interview Paul Heyman later on. And he's like, you know, are you devastated? 
that's Dudley Boys lost their tag titles, and Heyman's like, I couldn't care less. <laughs> Join <laughs> the club. <laughs> yeah. He completely blows off the last month's worth of buildup where he gets <laughs> the Dudleys like behind him and everything and gets behind them. It's just it's just ridiculous. They're just they're just wiping the slate clean in front of our eyes. Like, let's just end this and end that. So Anyway, um, he's like, you can't care less. And he says, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm headed to the ring to address the Undertaker. I got a problem with him. So he's like, um, he heads to the ring. He's got the urn with him. And uh, he's he pulls out a letter out of his pocket. He doesn't have quite as much trouble as Triple H did back uh, before WrestleMania this year. He, was that Triple H or was that Batista that pulled the thing out of his pocket? I think it was Triple H. I could, couldn't read it, but yeah. anyway. Um, he's like, I got something I want to say from the heart. And he get, has a prepared statement. He says, uh... I stand before you, a humbled man, a man who, after deep introspection, realizes I made a few mistakes in my life, but none, yeah, a few mistakes, that's an understatement, so, but none greater than when I decided to take on you, the Undertaker, but I take full responsibility for my behavior, even though it was all Bubba and Devon's fault, so he's just throwing them <laughs> under the bus immediately, when we literally saw on TV that it was his fault, he exactly. pushed to do it, so, exactly. anyway, he's going on and on and on about it, and uh, blaming them and it was Bubba and Devon who took my simple motivation out of context and abducted Paul Bearer. It was Bubba and Devon who came up with the idea of putting Paul Bearer in a concrete grip. And it was Bubba and Devon who came up with the idea of making you, the Undertaker, bow down to me while I held this urn. Hold on, I lost my place. Um, earn. Oh, excuse me. Tonight, not only did the Dudleys get exactly what they deserved, but as a gesture of good faith, I want to return this urn to you, sir. And even though I'm not the one who pried this urn out of Paul Bearer's hands, that was Bubba and Devon too. I would like you, I would ask you to take into consideration that I am the one, sir, who made the conscious decision to return your property to you. And he gets on his knees and places the urn on the ground and says, you know, I'm not asking for absolution or benediction or forgiveness. I'm just begging the undertaker for a pass. He says, just let this one slide. Um, which I'm sure he said to Bob and Devon back in ECW days <laughs> the, from the check bounce. Speaking of, let me interject for two seconds here. I heard um, Stevie Richards talking about that he has a friend who used to be with him in ECW. He wouldn't disclose the name, but he has a Twitter account called Bouncy the Check, and it's literally <laughs> it's like bounce checks from from ECW. He just oh, talks my. about where Bouncy the Check is, like it's in the mail or it got stuck or whatever. So, yeah, I, I, I that's incredible. Twitter, so I have to go find it see if it's true. Yeah, but anyway. I have to go look that up. Yeah, but he says, but Undertaker, sir, if you would just ignore the content of my character and please listen to the context of my apology and realize I'm all alone on this one. And Paul says, I'm like a little lamb lost in the wilderness, and he begs the Grim Reaper to just pass on by. So, tell you what, man, it was great for mm. him. He's yeah. so good, man. Great I'm, sta- I'm standing up. I'm sta- standing ovation from me, man. That, that was incredible work from Heyman here. Yep. I loved was. it. But to me, I was just like, that's how it ends, you know? Like, that's it. Wait, there, there. wait. That, that's the end? Yeah. 
But you, no, no, no. Surely, surely next week Undertaker's going to come out and just like murder Paul Heyman, just like tombstone him from the, into the ground, straight to hell, right? Well, I think Heyman's going to do that himself by what he's got up his sleeve. He might as well have gotten that. Basically. Yeah, like it seems like we're really getting it. Like this whole yeah. Heyman Undertaker thing is just building. That was just the beginning with Paul Bear. Maybe we're even going to get Undertaker versus Paul Heyman at SummerSlam. Something crazy yeah. like that. And next week on SmackDown 256, July 15th, 2004. This entire storyline is completely dropped without any yeah. warning whatsoever. I guess Undertaker, he had to get some more vacation days in or something because he takes the week off. He's out of here. And Paul Heyman, he, he I guess Undertaker forgave him. I don't know what's going on. But <laughs> uh, Paul Heyman is going to get shifted instead into managing Hayden, Hayden Reich. Yes, folks. I love Rammstein. <laughs> that is where this is going. <laughs> we get a, our first vignette, even though we talked about where we already mentioned him and Matt Hardy threw his tape in the garbage. <laughs> where it should have stayed. Exactly where it should have stayed. Uh, he's found a man <laughs> to manage him, to give him a chance, and it's Paul Heyman. Just what is happening, man? Who is know, writing man. this? I wish this was Matt Morgan or something or – I'd take Nathan Jones over this guy, man. Whoa. I'm yeah. just kidding. I don't oh, know, man. But seriously, like a Matt Morgan. I tell you what, man. I'd even take him to re. Let's re up the A Train Paul Heyman thing. It, this is terrible. You can just lump him in, right? There. I don't know if one is any better than the others, but mm-hmm. he's just in that crowd of the Monster guys. Week. Yeah. yeah, the guys that the the company just sees money in, while as everyone else in the audience is just like. No, what are you thinking? There's nothing about him we want to see. Like right. e- even back in 2004, as 18-year-olds, no. we could watch this and be like, "This is not going to work. This guy is there's yeah. nothing to this." They think they're they're going to find the next Brock Lesnar. I think, yeah. and they just keep looking for him for months and months and months, and he ain't out there, and it ain't this guy. No, and they're never ever going to find him. They had to bring him back in 2012. So, yeah. Hiding Mike? They brought him back? No. I wish he was back for Raw Reunion. (laughs) Why not, man? Why not? I know. Uh, And then the only other thing on this episode of SmackDown Note would be that JBL finishes the feud with Eddie Guerrero, uh, wins the uh, championship match he's got against him in the steel cage when El Gran Luchador pops in again, which is a fun little uh, gimmick. Mm -hmm. Conquistador style gimmick that they had going on there. It ends up being Kurt Angle under the hood this time, who is supposed to be in a wheelchair with a cast on his leg. So that's going to play into something big that happens next week that is going to lead into something very, very big for the uh, a legendary character on this podcast who's going to debut here in a couple weeks. Oh yeah, for sure, man. So we're on SmackDown 257. This is uh, July 22nd, 04, and they're in... uh city of brotherly love philadelphia yeah uh and jbl is in the ring he gets on the mic and he's addressing the people of philadelphia and he says you know he's he's willing to be philadelphia's champion and he you know he disses the local sports teams just like you know cheap heat 101 you know and definitely worked back then too so and in the spirit of philadelphia he says that he's going to issue a rocky challenge tonight so uh if he give an opportunity to a young upstart by the name of mike cruel i believe is his name so he said he exemplifies exemplifies the Philadelphia youth. He's a truant, probably addicted to drugs and alcohol, and very poor. <laughs> He's killing me, man. He's just 
crazy. You know, they say the best characters are the ones where it's just it's just you with the volume turned up, and pretty sure JBL has locked into that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is his version of Stone Cold. You know, he's himself turned up to eleven. So, yeah, this is definitely the best version of himself. So, but he says if Mike Cruel could win tonight, he can wrestle JBL for the WWE Championship at the SummerSlam. So, um, he pretty much beats up. You know, Mike Cruel pretty pretty easily. You know, doesn't break a sweat really. And he says, you know, I'm sorry the Rocky Challenge didn't work, and I guess I'll just go watch SummerSlam since I have no viable challengers. He says, no one is worthy of challenging me. Uh, it's not. I won't even have an opponent for SummerSlam. And of course, we know the lights are going to go out and the gong or bell, whatever, and that'll cue up the King of Gong style, the Undertaker. <laughs> going to come out and i tell you what man he makes the full entrance oh yeah we've co- become accustomed to nowadays and jbl is like he's terrified his takers are making his interest but he's standing his ground so <laughs> he does very patiently waiting for like five minutes for taker to come out and he um he's like oh uh well uh i didn't know you were back there you know why are you looking at me that summer i ain't scared of you I'm respectful. I'm respectful. Didn't say I was scared. Look, I know what I said about SummerSlam, but I've already got a match. I was going to announce it later, okay? Okay, listen. Okay, it's not you. I'm sorry. Get somebody else because I'm busy SummerSlam. It's JBL versus Shannon Moore. Think about it. He's a young, good-looking guy. Girls love him. Some guys do too, I hear, but that's okay. That's their business, all right? Not, not mine, but theirs. And a rich, good-looking guy like me, think about the buy race we're going to do. It'll be through the roof. He says, you know, you were a great champion, almost as good as myself, and I'll give you a chance to leave this ring at the count of three. And, you know, he says at, at, at three, he's going to jump Undertaker like white on rice. So, and he um, counts, you know, one, two, three, and he goes for Taker, and then Taker has been basically staring a hole through JBL's you know, body this entire time. So he's um, staring at him, and as uh, he goes to, to get him, he gets the three and goes to swing at Taker, and Taker just goozles him, gets him up, and choke slams the WWE champion here. And Taker grabs the mic that's still in, is it in, still in uh, JBL's hand? <laughs> he just grabs JBL's arm yeah. and holds it up as the mic is still in his head yeah. and <laughs> sticks it up to his mouth, which is a great yeah. touch. It's a great touch, man. Yeah. Yeah. JBL's limp arm, he just lifts it up and looks at it and, and says into the microphone, you, me, SummerSlam. Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! That is you, Marcus Dudes. And uh, he picks up the WWE title and uh, kind of eyeballs it, and he drapes it over JBL's little dead carcass there in the ring, and then that's it, man. So it was a really cool. Uh, scene. I think it was enough said from Taker. It's short and to the point, you know, <sighs> nice big Perfect. entrance. Yeah. And just, you know, uh, really good, man. It really made me, as a fan now, watch it back because I hadn't seen this before. Uh, made me excited to see. Uh, I, was, I was wondering how they start this. And it kind of reminded me, though, of 1997 when they'd be like, oh, let's just start a match. Like, yeah. Huge. But, like, it was just, it's, it's really cool because it's the Undertaker. It's, it's different, you know. 
It was, and you know he's he's the conscience of the WWE, even though he yeah. murdered, murdered somebody three weeks ago. But he, he's coming to to give uh, to make JBL pay for all of his sins and all of his actions and all his yeah. cockiness and arrogance and and put him in his place. And that's all we needed him to say was "You, me, SummerSlam." Yeah. that's perfect, man. I, yeah. I thought it was really well done. Got me got me into it. Oh yeah, for sure, man. It was good. And- Get another hide and right promo this night, unfortunately. But uh, there is something cool in the front row, man. We see a cosplay of Undertaker, which we hadn't seen in a while. I seen really a while. Did it during the ABA days, you know, nobody was Biker Taker really much in the in the crowd. But now we back at the Dead Man, so we got some some creatures of the creatures of the cosplay, you know, dressed up in the audience, which is pretty cool to see. So maybe they were the- dressed up as Biker Taker, but we just thought <laughs> they were just in their street clothes. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I mean, that's very it. true. Could have been it. So, and um. Another, you know, big, you know, I guess, angle on SmackDown is, no pun, is that Vince returns and fires Mr. Angle, Kurt Angle, as the GM. Excuse me. He actually fires <laughs> Kurt Angle. So He doesn't even oh. say, like, the, the second syllable of that word. He just no. says, fire. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't get it's, to the fired. Leaves off the it, yeah. He does. <laughs> off the rest of it. So, yeah. We're going to get uh, get his replacement next week. But this is the cool moment that people remember at the end where Vince gets in Eddie's low rider and bounces up and down with him. And, again, last time I saw Vince, uh, he was a heel. But now he's on face. Right. He's a heel on Raw, but he's a face on SmackDown. Who knows? Yeah. I don't think we've seen him since WrestleMania. I don't think he's done anything. Right. And, yeah, we haven't been covering Raw, but I don't think he's been on there. Uh, doing anything either yeah. so that was pretty so. pretty crazy um, yeah. and yeah it's uh i never knew where that vince and eddie and the lowrider thing i've always seen that clip but yeah, i wasn't watching smackdown at this time so exactly. i never knew where that came from so that was cool to see that uh and yeah like i mentioned last week on the show i mentioned a couple minutes ago that's going to lead to a historic debut of somebody who is uh, linked to undertaker not quite as much as paul bear but right up there here on SmackDown 258, uh, July 29th, 2004. And there's no general manager for Monday Night Raw anymore. Uh, excuse me. There's no general manager for Thursday Night SmackDown with Kurt Angle fired. So half the roster is going to come out here chaotically. They're all claiming that they deserve to hold the United States Championship, which was vacated last week when Kurt Angle was going crazy. So you've got... Cena, Booker T, Renee Dupree, uh, all these guys coming out there. So Vince comes out again to, to calm things down and introduce the new SmackDown general manager and the man who would go on to be, in my opinion, the greatest general manager in WWE history, certainly the longest-running general manager, <laughs> Theodore Long. Player? Hold on just a minute, player. No, former referee. <laughs> former Theodore referee, Long, former manager. Yeah. Former uh, Rodney Mack manager, golly, white Mark boy Henry. challenge. Oh, the white boy challenge, D-Lo. man. Never forget it. D-Lo. Remember him refereeing uh, matches on like Uncensored 96 and stuff like, back in WCW. So, yeah, man, this was kind of a weird choice at the time, you know? It was For sure. Definitely weird, but like I tell you what, man, there's nothing cooler than Teddy walking out in his gigantic suit. <laughs> 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 suit. <laughs> 
down his knees. I love the jackets, man. They're great. Uh, he had his own unique fashion sense, man. Yeah. Iconic. And yeah, it, it was a weird choice because normally you had guys like Bischoff or Heyman or Angle. And, and Teddy Long was like, like you said, I mean, he was a low-level manager yeah. and referee at this time. But dude, I, just like JBL, man, he walked into this role and he owned it for you oh, know, yeah. from day one. Man, he was killing it. And uh like you said, he doesn't do it quite yet, but he ends up, uh, of course, being forever linked to the Undertaker player. Uh, we'll get to that eventually. We'll get to that. Uh, and uh, I guess, you know, their friendship begins on this night because he's going to give Undertaker another night off here on SmackDown. I'm not going to see him at all. Uh, or JBL, for that matter. So they're both getting ready for their big championship match. Uh, we do get this video package. It's like a campaign ad. Uh, they call it a paid yeah. advertisement for John Bradshaw Layfield. It's like a biography talking about his history in high school, playing in the football championship with a broken freaking leg, uh, uh, going, you know, winning wrestling championships all over the world, the Mexican championship, the Korean <laughs> championship, <Whatever>. the, <laughs> the European championship, which he really did win, yeah, and then the WWE championship, uh, supporting the troops, being on cable television, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, it fits right in with his character and continuing oh, to yeah. build that uh, that smarmy, cocky, arrogant heel that he is. Yeah, I really, I really like this uh, vignette a lot for his character, man. I thought it was very, very well done. So um, I wasn't too excited about the story. Again, there's no story between him and Taker, but that'll that's okay. You know, this them having a week off was fine. And um, if you're gonna have a week off, and not be on the show. So showing some a vignette like this is always yeah, helps. You know, because sure. I'm of the mind even nowadays. I don't need to see everybody every week. I don't need to see the champion every week. You know, mm-hmm. I don't now. I don't want Brock to be gone for 15 months at a time. But like you know. I don't need to see everybody every week, which is why I think NXT works so well. You don't see everybody every single week. So, but um, back then they didn't do that too much. But I do like this, you know, and it's really cool, really cool little scene there. So, well, it actually get frees JBL up to compete on Velocity a couple nice. nights later. He is on the August first, two thousand four episode of Velocity, the WWE Champion, and. Kind of cool little thing here because it ties up a little loose thread from JBL's promo a couple weeks ago because he actually defends his title against Shannon Moore on Velocity. SummerSlam main event. Yeah, we're getting it a few weeks early here. That's awesome. So uh, obviously it's not on the WWE Network yet uh, as we're recording this. Maybe they'll add it yeah. one day. But uh, What's you up can. With that? I, you know, you can find it pretty fairly easily on Daily Motion or YouTube. Uh, we'll probably post the link up on our social media as well. Uh, I watched it because it's like two minutes long. <laughs> he just yeah. destroys JBL, but uh, he cuts a good promo before the match, saying he's risking his life and limb by competing tonight uh, just for the fans because he loves them. Um, and even though the Undertaker attacked him last week after he'd already been in a grueling match and in a weakened condition, but. The fans have just been calling day in and day out to see him compete against top contenders like Shannon Moore. So he's going to give the fans what he what they want here tonight. So he he destroys them, just continues to to ease into this heel character. But easily the worst part of this was the commentary team for Velocity Man, Bill Demont and the massive tool Josh Matthews. I cannot come up with a yeah, worse man. lineup for commentary. Oh my word, man! That is horrible. That's that's probably why it's not on the 
network <laughs> by editing, re-editing the. Just take it all off. Take all the commentary yeah. off. <laughs> just silent tracks. <laughs> Great. Yikes! Oh yeah. man. But how do you think Shannon Moore feels about being buried on television constantly by JBL? You know, he keeps saying that the girls really like him and the boys do too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be some sort of rib on him. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure he's enjoying his paycheck. Yeah, I'm sure he is, man. Oh, man. He's main event on well, Velocity, you know? Three count, so he's great. So. He was. Very talented. Very oh, talented. Yeah. <clears throat> Good stuff, man. Um, well, that's going to lead us to SmackDown 259 on um, August 5th, 2004. So, man, I guess what? We weren't quite, hadn't quite started freshman year of college yet. We probably started Getting ready later, to. Because we started yeah. later on in August. But anyway, well, tonight on this SmackDown's in Houston, Texas, and um, home of JBL, I guess, right? So. Oh, and I think JBL's from there, isn't he? And I know Pritchard's yeah. from there, and Dakers build from there, and Booker T's from there. Everybody's Around from, there, yeah. Yeah, SmackDown's from there. <laughs> anyway, um, well, JBL pulls up in his Longhorn limo here, and Josh Matthews, uh, the massive tool, uh, interviews him as he gets out. And, of course, JBL shakes his hand and sanitizes, which I just, I do love. <laughs> the more I'm seeing it, the more I love it. It's so. great. Yeah, and JBL says, you know, I've been on a mission to become the most popular WWE champion of all time. And he says, you know, he quotes another great American. He said, you know, FDR, he says that there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And, you know, I'm not afraid of the Undertaker, so I'm going to call him out to the ring tonight. So, um, but then I think it's right after that or maybe right before that, we um, Teddy Long is going to open up this, his first, you know, night, full night on the job. Um with pictures of Vincent Kennedy McMahon and Martin Luther King on the wall and basically comparing them to, which is a very large uh, reach, in my opinion. I can't think of a more Vince McMahon thing than Vince McMahon comparing himself to Martin Luther King Jr. Because you know, yeah. you know he, he wrote that. Oh, yeah, he does oh, love him. Yeah, but Pritchard just talked on his show about how MLK Day is a huge deal to like Vince, and like he that's like his hero is MLK I, for some reason, so... It's just and he, anytime he can get MLK or compare himself to him, he always tries to. So, yeah, it, didn't, it did not surprise me with uh, in hindsight now. No I'm fine way. with him being his hero, but I think Vince thinks that he's the same as Martin Luther King. Oh, no, yeah, <laughs> and he's definitely not. So, he's definitely not. So, anyway, um, so the main event segment is a talkie-talkie segment where JBL is going to um, call out The Undertaker. So, there's a really cool sign I found, or not I found. It can be found on screen. It says, J, you know, it's a tombstone says, you know, R.I.P. J.B.L. 1967 to 2004. So I guess that's his age. I guess he's 37 yeah. years old. Who knows? So There's sure a is, so. lot of great anti-J.B.L. signs during this oh, time. Yeah. You know what people's favorite yeah. thing to do was? What's that? Do something with J.B.L.'s initials. Oh, yeah. Just a big loser. There's yeah. <laughs> like three of those signs in every yeah. crowd during this time. Yeah. Just a big loser. Yeah, it's great. I think all these little like anagrams or whatever they're called for his initials. So mm-hmm. that's great. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, he, you know, JBL's going on about being from New York City now, and he's glad he got out of Texas, and he's not from here anymore. He doesn't consider himself from here. Just you know, being a heel. You know, doing easy cheat Pete, which is good. But he says, you know, tonight's uh, serious business. You know, I'm not afraid of the Undertaker. I'm going to call him out. So. I'm refusing to wait until SummerSlam. So, oh so man, I, here we go. Here, here we go. go. Big showdown. Big showdown. So, we're gonna get the lights out. The music comes on, and the camera is gonna pan up just like it does during Undertaker's real entrance, and it's gonna show a mini Taker. 
Dang it. Dressed up like Undertaker. So, um, yeah. The commentary are flabbergasted. And I think Taz actually calls him the Undertitler. I think they put too much starch in there. His underwear is something he's broke or something. But he's not the Undertaker. He's like the Undertitler. Oh, my God. So just when I'm heaping praise on this story, and again, I did mention that there isn't really a story yet, um, but we're excited that, you know, Taker's going to come out here and uh, avenge, you know, uh, the, the American people. We get this. I think a toddler wrote this. Yeah, <laughs> I think a toddler did. Give me back oh, the no voodoo, way. man. I'll take that Thanks over. <laughs> oh, God. I'll take that over this any day. Man, this is this is atrocious. Well, and, you know, wrestling always takes the low road when it comes to sh- short people or <laughs> whatever the word is for them. You sound like one of the commentators. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? So um, they just make a bunch of short jokes, and um, just anytime wrestlers can make fun of dwarves or little people or midgets, whatever the proper word, I don't know, so I'll just use them all, so... Whatever the proper word is for that is PC. Uh, they just get made fun of over and over again. And, you know, if, if, in fact, one time Taz says, you know, it's like someone put starch in Undertaker's pants and shrunk it. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Who puts starch in their pants and shrinks? I don't know what that means. So, anyway. That's what you do I, on I, the I, construction I, site. It's what Taz <laughs> learned about. <laughs> yeah, the concrete oatmeal and starch. I'll tell you what, man. Mini Taker is in it to win it, though, dude. This guy has got the mannerisms down. He takes just as long to get to the ring as Taker does. Not because he has little legs, but because he's doing the old Taker thing. And um, He looks like Lord Farquaad. From he does. <laughs> Same wig. Lord Farquaad haircut. Yeah, he does. But, dude, like I said, man, he is... He's giving it his all, man. He's, JBL's mocking sure, him. Sure, And JBL gets on his knees so he can look him eye to eye, which, again, that's just heel stuff, you know. And Michael Cole's like, he says, who's writing this stuff? JBL's like, uh, <laughs> Vince? Your boss. <laughs> yeah, you're the guy writing your paychecks. But it was just a funny little, like, meta comment there. So, but, um, and uh, JBL gets, uh, eventually winds up getting a uh, little mini taker here up in the tombstone. And he says, rest in peace. And at that, we hear the actual Undertaker's music. You know, the gong hits and the lights go out. And uh, the lights come back on. And he is actually standing in the ring uh, with JBL and the Minitaker. So JBL, in a moment of hilarity, literally tosses this mini person to the Undertaker. And <laughs> just swats him down like he's playing <laughs> basketball back in the day. <laughs> just poor little guy. He's having he's no part of this. to the ground. <laughs> yeah. He's not amused. And this poor little guy just falls to the ground. And Taker uh, whips JBL and hits a big old boot to him and goes to tombstone him. So, you know, got to get that Taker heat at the end of the show here. And then JBL is going to be saved by a man who has come out of nowhere, literally and figuratively. Somebody we haven't seen on the... I think he wrestled a match earlier in the night. Right. But it was just to remind people that he actually has breath in his lungs. Uh, and he actually still works there. And it's Orlando Jordan. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> out of nowhere, dude. How could it possibly get worse? I know. How does it get worse than a mini taker? Oh, you get Orlando Jordan in the ring. So 
He comes down and pulls JBL JBL down from the tombstone position, rolls him out of the ring and retreats. And I, I just don't know, man, where he's been. And but I will say this though, he did. Taker was the one that gave him the John Cena rub last year. You know the whole "I respect you," right? And exactly. uh, now he's turns back on him, just like Cena did a year after that. So I will try to find the silver lining <laughs> there, and maybe they'll take it and run with it. But um, Taker throat slashes and motions for the title around his waist. You know, gives the old, you know, discount double check signal to JBL and says he wants his title there. So, and then if that's not enough to make the show go off the air, we get Tiny Taker joining him at his side and doing the pose and Taker looks at him and gives him a humongous choke slam. I mean, huge on this little mini Taker, which is a heel move. What like, a jerk. Yeah. They just choke slam Hornswoggle basically. So yeah, that all happened folks. Remind me why I wasn't watching. Oh, yeah. I got it. So the Undertaker is going to get good. The Undertaker in the past month has murdered his mentor and chuck slammed an innocent <laughs> little person. Yeah. And he's exactly. the baby face. He's the number one baby face on the show. So Shades of Grey, man. Oh my God. Swerve, bro. I feel like Undertaker he had to have hated doing this, man. I, I think that's why he, he choke slammed uh, the tiny taker, because he was just like, I, this is I I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah, he's like, ever since I came back as a dead man, I feuded about a voodoo pouch, uh, and then I feuded with the Dudleys about my boss, and I murdered him, or my, my dad, or whatever, father figure, and I murdered him, and now I'm feuding with this J-Brone, JBL. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what have you got for me? Like, um, well, I guess <sighs> we'll give you another six weeks off. All right. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Whatever you need, boss. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, we finally take it in to SummerSlam here. Uh, one last show, SmackDown 260, August 12th, 2004. And uh, the uh, Million Dollar Man and Virgil are going to come out. For, I mean, excuse me, uh, JBL and Orlando Jordan are going to open up the show here. Cur- curly Bill. <laughs> JBL's got uh, OJ all dressed up in his suit. And JBL's going to. Bronco? Oh, man, if only. If You'd rather only. Have You'd rather have OJ I'd rather have OJ Simpson than Orlando Jordan <laughs> on WWE television. It's yeah. It's true. Well, JBL, once again, he's claiming, he's doing all the heel stuff. He's saying, I'm not intimidated by The Undertaker, even though he's run away crying from him every single week. He says he respects The Undertaker and goes through all of the list of legends that Undertaker's defeated through all the years. Hogan, Warrior, Rock, Yokozuna, Bret Hart, all these guys. Says he's defeated all these people, but JBL says, I'm not one of them. And yes, he's got that right. (laughs) He absolutely is not one of them. (laughs) You are not one of the greats, you're right. (laughs) But uh, he continues on and says, you know, I did not become rich or champion without having a plan. So I'm going to exploit Undertaker's weaknesses at SummerSlam and part of that plan is going to be his new chief of staff, Orlando Jordan. And then this moron actually gets mic time. Uh, yeah. Gets to talk on the mic. And as if you didn't realize by watching his wrestling that he had absolutely nothing to offer, you had to hear him talk, which was somehow worse <laughs> than his wrestling. Uh, oh. The less said, the better. It's just what is pointless, whatever he's well, saying. Well, he starts out, he goes, for those of you that don't know me, which... 
it's never a good way to start out. Right. You're right. We don't know you because you suck. Uh, oh. You already have a presence about you or something established that we should know you. You should have to say, for those that don't know me. Uh, he's got nothing, man. So, uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to see more of him tonight, though, because JBL has arranged with General Manager Teddy Long a match tonight between Orlando Jordan and The Undertaker. So, even though Teddy Long doesn't say it, right. I think this goes down in history as the first time ever that Teddy Long is going to book someone to go one-on-one with The Undertaker. So, Man, mark it down go. in the history book. Smackdown, August 12, 2004. The long-running meme begins. <laughs> well, uh, that is the main event. Of the, uh, actually, it's not the main event. Uh, the main event is some Olympic tag team challenge that they never did again. Oh, yeah. Relay match. It's like a uh, poor man's war games. But anyway... Yeah. Uh, OJ takes on his former mentor, The Undertaker, and Taker gets a, just a massive reaction as he makes his entrance, uh, as we are used to here at this point, and gets big Taker chance during the match as well, and what should be just a squash here goes on way too long. Uh, you know, it, it, Undertaker's trying to, he's being a company guy, he's trying to make something out of Orlando Jordan, lets him get a lot of mm-hmm. offense in here, but it is way too much for this job guy again coming in out of nowhere yeah it's entirely I don't know if Taker saw something in him or something like legit but uh, he needs to recheck his vision (laughs) 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 I don't know what's going on man it's the same thing as Virgil he sucks (laughs) oh uh, Virgil is like Kurt Angle compared to Orlando Jordan man all day every day Oh my goodness. I'll take Virgil. that to the grave with it's me, like man. Kurt Angle compared to OJ. Absolutely, That's man. That's absolutely true. Um, Taker ends up getting the win by DQ because JBL runs in and hits the clothesline from hell on Undertaker and gets to walk away standing tall, going into the pay-per-view, walking out to the back celebrating, except before he can make it to the back, Undertaker sits up, does the zombie sit-up, uh, stares yeah. at JBL and they and him and Orlando Jordan run away in fear, getting you uh, hyped, I guess, quote unquote, for uh, <laughs> SummerSlam here. I don't know about that, but it's definitely <laughs> it's making you yawn. You could tell that this is not. This is just the beginning of the story, you know. Like SummerSlam is not going to be. You could already tell this is not going to end in a definitive way, you know? Like, right. I don't know. I just, I guess from watching wrestling as many years as we have, I can just tell. Like, you know, the story just started, you know? Like, it's not going to end at SummerSlam, so. And they're building this, you know, what, what we don't know will become JBL's cabinet. It's not called that yet, but they're, you know, they're building that, so. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> Well, that's going to take us to the SummerSlam 2004, August 15th, 04, from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the Air Canada yeah. Center. How weird is that? It's going to be there in a couple weeks. Dude. 15 years later, man. Yeah, that's great. That's very timely. Pretty timely cool, here. So. The uh, theme song for the show that is not on the WWE Network, uh, the one on the WWE Network sounds like a uh, karaoke version of Follow You Down by the Gin Blossoms, <laughs> what it reminded me of. But I looked it up, man. (laughs) The real one is apparently a cover of the song Summertime Blues by Rush. Like, the legendary 
iconic band Rush in 2004. The Great Triumvirate? Yes. Prepare to get Russified? Is that Neil is, Pert all up in you? That is that the one? theme song of this pay-per-view. I did not remember that ever being a thing. Rush having songs in 2004 on WWE television. Well, I guess it's a Canadian thing, you know? Oh, <sighs> now like it makes sense. Today's Tom Sawyer. Now it makes sense. Fly by night away from ya. Sorry, I'm just going all rush. I know from what's that movie? Uh, I love you. I man. love you, man. <laughs> One of our all-time favorite movies. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, prepare to get rushified. Yeah, I guess it's the Canadian thing, you know. It makes nah, sense. That makes sense. Why yeah. did they cover Summertime Blues? That I don't have an answer for. Um, I don't. That doesn't make sense. I always think of Alan Jackson when I hear that song. So. <laughs> Absolutely, sir. We're <laughs> from Georgia. Exactly. <laughs> well, man, I remember this show. You had this one on DVD, didn't you? I did, yeah. I remember picking this one up during my phase of you know not watching any uh, wrestling live because I didn't have cable, so I went and bought yeah. a bunch of DVDs. So I bought this one. I uh, don't remember this match at all, to be honest. No. And, and honestly, looking back at the card, it didn't strike a lot of memories in me. I remember specifically, obviously, the main event, Randy Orton winning the title from Benoit sure. at the end of Benoit's run, and yeah. he'd never get another title after that, but anyway, um, I remember that, and I remember Edge getting booed in his hometown. He talks about that a lot you know, in, in life, how this, this night was a pivotal night for him as a character. He's like, I'm getting freaking booed in my hometown as a babyface going into this match, so um, that was him, him, Jericho, and Batista, I think. Triple yeah. that icy title match and the crowd is weird all night. They're they're in they always call it what Bizarro World or whatever and they are it's a strange crowd. Like this might be the like the prototypical Bizarro World crowd mm-hmm. that they talk about. I, it's probably not the first time it ever happened, right. but it's one of the first times it becomes a thing throughout the show and and it would go on to like define Toronto crowds. It, yeah. You know, now it's like every, you know, raw after WrestleMania. And now it's just a lot of different cities they'll go to. They'll call it bizarro world, but it yeah. used to be Canada. It would always yeah. happen here. Toronto, especially. And yeah. it, you see it all through the night and we're going to see it in our feature presentation, our, our match. We're going to talk about here as well. Yeah. Cause it's not like bizarro world, like the Calgary was a Canadian stampede. That made sense. That was sure. USA. That was, that was fine. But yeah, this one is just like, what are these fans doing? What are they on? What are they smoking? Who do they cheer for? Who do they actually like? I don't know. They're entertaining the heck out of themselves. So that's for yes. sure. So, and we will see that for years to come. So, and throughout the entire night. So tell you what, though, man, I did like the opening. There's some funny vignettes, like kind of parodying the Olympics. Cause again, the summer Olympics or 2004, where was that? Is that Australia? I don't remember. Mm, where it was. I think it was Sydney. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Not Good call. Buff on. I think Olympics. that's right. I, no, 96 was Atlanta. So. Right. Um, anyway, um, but it's just, um, yeah, I, I, I remember that kind of those funny little uh, videos they did before that. And I, I kind of miss when they would do that kind of stuff. They did a lot back in this era, this ruthless aggression era. They do these kind of things a lot, but I they do don't do too. it too much anymore. Yeah. So. They, uh, they don't do Diva Dodgeball anymore either. But yeah. Did you enjoy that? Dude, I watched it. It was a train wreck. <laughs> It was so bad, man. It was so But, dude, feature Miss Taker's on there. That's man. right. So McCool. Yeah. She's on there, and, uh, and Maria Kanellis is on there. Pregnant 24 7 baby. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> yeah. 15 years uh, later, she's still hanging on. 
And still oh, looking yeah. good, too. And then a bunch of girls like Amy and Joy, I did not remember. Like, uh-huh. I remember them being on the SmackDown game, but I don't remember them at all on my television. So, But, yeah, it was basically the vets versus the newbies, I think, right, from the Diva Search. Right. And, uh, man, it's awful. It's a disaster. It's literally a – well, that movie just come out. Dodgeball just came right. out this summer, I think. So, <laughs> That's right. You know, dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Patches of and rip, rip, torn. You know, he just passed away in real life here. So, anyway, um, yeah, this, they just try to capitalize on that. And it's terrible, dude. Man, terrible. Another one of my favorite movies, right there. Dodgeball, love it, man. <laughs> so good. Oh yeah. Well, the opposite end of that is our boy, The Undertaker, getting a big entrance here. He's going to come out right after that match, and. We don't get a video package yeah. uh, here. How do you follow up Diva Dodgeball? Diva Dodgeball, you bring out The Undertaker. That's going to wake the yeah. crowd back up. He gets his big uh, pyro and ballyhoo, all sorts of mm-hmm. flames and smoke coming out uh, with him. And then JBL is going to be out next in his limo with Orlando Jordan alongside him. Um, uh, we, we do get a tail of the tape before this match yeah. uh, as well, though. I forgot to mention that. No video package. and No no Taz's keys to victory here, unfortunately. Just the tail of the tape. I'm no, sure he would have said know. something great. Yeah, I missed those. I would have definitely recapped those for us here on Talking Taker, but we didn't get that. But I do like how SmackDown would always do the tail of the tape stuff. Like That yeah. was unique to them, you know? Yeah, was tried to make, Even though the shows were pretty much the same, they definitely tried to make it unique that way, so... And then Cole, once again, like an idiot, says no one's dominated the last 12 years like Taker has. So, again, I guess H.R. Cole is keeping up with the time time actually spent on TV or time not. So, He's a stickler. Years, idiot. So, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I also... I do, man, JBL rocking the red trunks tonight. I man. like that, man. I like it, yeah. I liked it, so... I like it. I love when Triple H would do that during this era, too. He changes trunks up and stuff, so I like when guys would do that. So Cool stuff. And the uh, red's going to go well with the blood that's going to flow out of JBL here uh, shortly. <clears throat> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> a dodgeball for you. I know. I got it. I got you. <laughs> well, Taker is ripping, roaring, ready to go here and just works over JBL to start the match off. He works over the arm, goes for a quick and early old school, but never works on the first try, man. JBL stops him and hits a neck breaker on him as the match kind of gets underway. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of getting underway, I cannot put over the beginning. He literally just throws JBL through the ropes <laughs> outside. Like, it was awesome. Like, I loved it. So, yeah, man, uh, JBL comes back in with a <clears throat> side slam and, then he goes up top, which is something that he didn't really do yeah. too much. And he comes off with a diving shoulder block. so He's I very what, aggressive man. starting off. Yeah, kudos to him for trying, man. Like You could tell he's putting forth some effort. I don't know if it's because all the other boys were in the back and like, you got to do something with this crowd, man. Like, <laughs> eat you alive. I don't know. But they're both turning it up, man, and come out come out the gates real hot. You know, I do appreciate that. So They did, for sure. Taker is going to turn things around, though, and continue working over the arm. Mm -hmm. He gets this arm bar that kind of throws JBL down to the ground, then locks on a wrist lock, and and does get in the old school there that he went for earlier. And then Undertaker hits that, I still don't know what to call it, where it'll pay dirt, downward spiral type maneuver he's been using the past few weeks, and gets a two count off of that, and then pivots into this... I don't even know what to call it, man. It's it's sort of a triangle, yeah. but it's sort of reverse to the side. It's just add it to the list of his weird submissions he's been doing the past few months. 
Yeah, it's like some side modified triangle hold. And at this point, that was where the crowd's just entertaining themselves. They're just going, woo, woo, like all this stuff. So, and you can tell they're doing, they're, they're dying out there, man. The crowd is just, and it's not like they're not putting forth effort. They really are. But, um, yeah, is not into it. And uh, Orlando Jordan's going to drag JBL's leg under the rope to break the hold. So, again, that's good heel stuff right there. I do appreciate that when the manager gets involved too. And, Big boot by JBL and a boot by Taker, and then Taker's going to actually kick Orlando Jordan off the apron as he gets up there to try to cause distraction. And but this causes Taker to get his own leg stuck in the top rope. So that's right, and that's going to allow OJ to distract the ref. And uh, JBL smashes Undertaker's leg with a chair. He goes to the outside, yeah. and uh, just you know, standard heel work. And JBL's going to take over. Uh, the match right here. He gets Taker in the ring, uh, starts working over his leg right there in the middle of the ring, and we get a first on this show. Man, I don't think we've ever seen this happen as the crowd begins to do the wave to entertain themselves. And I'm not just talking like one section starts doing it. The entire Air Canada Center from the front (laughs) row to the ceiling gets it going around like a few rounds of the wave. It is, it is insane. It is crazy to see. It's weird to see. Like you said, it's not a night after WrestleMania, dude. This is an actual pay-per-view. It's a SummerSlam. They don't come. It's the Undertaker. It's Taker. Like he does not get that sort of disrespect Mm -hmm. from the crowd ever. I know, man. I don't know what's going on. And you know, know that this guy had to be ticked off with that man both of these guys man these guys are old school yeah yeah he's old school guy too man so you know both of them were ticked off about this i'm sure they were confused um, and frustrated and like what is happening here well michael cole must be too because he's like 17,000 plus in air canada center trying to roll the undertaker on but jbl continues the pressure undertaker writhing in pain even acknowledged it you know honestly because uh he just gives him the power but anyway jbl's locking that leg lock on and, and the taker um uh, reverses it and commentary are discussing now how the crowd's actually booed eugene he lost to triple h and the grids booed him out of the building they booed edge and they booed the women for diva dodgeball and cheering jericho <laughs> and now they're doing the weights they're just again giving bringing it to the tension is is kind of weird in my opinion but i i I don't know. I like that they do that because you can't ignore it. But. No, definitely not at this point. Yeah, it's too obvious. <laughs> you know, my I, my thinking typically is that I think it's wrong to blame the crowd usually when this happens because, like, it's on your job as a performer to keep mm-hmm. them invested and keep them entertained. But for this one, man, I, it, it really does seem like this crowd, no matter what would have happened, they would have just been off in their own universe doing their own thing because they are doing yeah. it all night long and there's not like this this match is pretty good like it's yeah it's, it's, it's really surprisingly good, good. so uh, it's, it's it's weird man i don't know what's going on and I, it's i don't want to put the blame on these guys here no i mean either man like you said it's not 
it's the whole night. So it's something they, I don't know. We could go back and research and see when the last time they had a pay-per-view there or something. I don't know if it's been, you know, 10 years or something. They're just looking forward to it. So who knows, man, just doing something to get noticed. But yeah, it's definitely weird. And I put the, I put the onus in the crowd that night and do it. Wasn't Taker's fault. It wasn't JBL's fault. Wasn't Edge's fault. By God, wasn't Eugene's <laughs> fault. So just was what it was, man. So, well, Undertaker, he's going to do what his can- do what he can to recover here. He actually pulls an old trick out of his book and hits a half crab, the yeah. Canadian maple leaf there, a little ode to Lance oh, Storm yeah. in Canada. And <laughs> he hits a rolling knee bar. A lot of submissions in this match, mm-hmm. man. It's very interesting. Which, on paper, I wouldn't have said there'd be a submission no. from JBL Undertaker, but this is new Taker that we're seeing, you know, so. He is. Um he hits some elbows, and then he hits the apron leg drop. And as he's doing that, the crowd is chanting, Spanish table, <laughs> Spanish table. That crazy. What you know has got to take him off again. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. There's These guys were on to something here, these, these Toronto fans. So, Well, I guess the crowd really hyped up the Spanish table because it uh, stays strong and does not get attacked. Uh, during, the, during the match here, they uh, go back into the ring. Taker ends up hitting a superplex on JBL and yeah. goes for the cover. And uh, But JBL barely kicks out, as the crowd calls it. Two! They're doing that throughout mm-hmm. the match as well. Uh, Taker goes for the last ride, but JBL trips Undertaker up. And then JBL, uh, I think he was going for a figure four. The announcers yeah. call it spinning toe hold. He just can't quite get the figure four on yeah. here. But again, more uh, more submissions from these guys, which is surprising. Yeah. But uh, Taker sits up, hits the choke on JBL, and then gives him a spine buster for a two count. Oh, yeah. Spine buster is always good to see. And then they start trading punches in the ring. And then Taker hits that run and dive and clothesline we're so used to seeing. And then he's doing the running, you know, stinger splashes in the corner. But I'll tell you this, man. He's selling that knee pretty well. Even when he's running, he's milking that knee and, you know, kind of hitting on his leg to sell that. Because, again, we keep, I can't put over how good it is to see a big guy sell. And he's yes. so good at it, man. Well, he's going to hit the, the, you know, the, the hits here and snake eyes. And then uh, he actually gives a clothesline to hell from JBL, or just as a clothesline, I guess you could say, but they call it the clothesline from hell. So it only gets a two count. So Only gets a two count. Undertaker's going to go for the big old choke slam here, and he'll get a two count as well. Uh, but then the chief of staff is going to pay off here. He's going to try to interfere. Uh, he gets knocked out of the ring, but JBL is, allows him to hit a clothesline from hell on Undertaker. Undertaker kicks out of that one. And then we get our big schmoz here at the end as Undertaker whips JBL into referee Nick Patrick, sandwiching him in the corner. And Taker and JBL give each other simultaneous big boots, and they both go down at the same time while the referee is down as well. Oh, yeah, the big double down spot, and supposed to get the crowd into it. And they're kind of coming up a little they bit. They are. The crowd is. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, the end of this match kind of picks up a, a notch, and they actually pay attention. So, well, at <clears throat> this point, Orlando Jordan tosses the WWE title belt into JBL and um, he's going to nail Taker with it and cover him but of course there's no referee so in a moment I think it's pretty funny actually Orlando Jordan drags Nick Patrick over there and uses his limp arm to count you know try to count the three and I thought it was a pretty funny spot but Taker kicks out so it was man Orlando Jordan just mounted Nick Patrick from behind it was uh, it was, like it was odd <laughs> But uh, it was a good, uh, funny spot. Uh, Taker 
like you say, he, like you said, he kicks out even off of that. They can't even get a three count off that. Right. He, he tosses Orlando Jordan out of the ring again. JBL hits another clothesline from hell, and then he makes a mistake at going for those ten punches in the corner. Yeah. And Undertaker gives him a huge last ride coming out of the corner. Uh, Nick Patrick is still waking up, so he's slow to make the cover, and JBL gets the shoulder up. And then Orlando Jordan's going to run in again this time with JBL's World Championship belt to try to interfere. Yeah, Taker's going to try a tombstone, and but he's going to, like I said, Jordan's going to come in there again, and Taker kicks him, and then he's going to actually grab the WWE title that Jordan had, and he's going to nail JBL with it. And of course, the referee wakes up in time to see that, so that's going to call the DQ at 17 minutes mm. and 37 seconds. So, so cheap. <clears throat> yeah, so cheap, man. Crowd boos. They. They weren't going to be happy with anything, though, so crowd boos. But um, tell you what, man, in a, some, a similar theme to, like, the Shawn Michaels uh, Ground Zero match and the Brock Lesnar, what was that, uh, No Mercy? No Mercy. No, not Unforgiven. Mercy. Unforgiven match. Like, they're going to keep brawling afterward and continue the story, you know. When they get that DQ, they still continue the story, which I appreciate. It's just a staple in his, like, career now. Oh, yeah. He's going to give the fans what they want here as he – yeah. Smashes JBL into the steps outside and then literally grabs the bull by the horns uh, for another <laughs> dodgeball reference here. And that uh, rips them off of JBL's limo, uh, smashes JBL into the hood of the limo, busts JBL open, and uh, as he slams him on the limo, he puts his feet through the windshield and just a cool visual. And you know, he. Taker pulls the straps down and starts to walk away, but you know when you pull the straps down, you know you're only just getting started, Travis. Oh yeah, man, you know that. Now I tell you what, do you think that JBL's head was supposed to go through the glass? Uh, because they keep yeah. saying that he got busted open when he hit the limo, but he was busted open. He he bladed himself right before. You could see it because it's on his head when they show the replay. Yeah, it's when he hits the steps. Yeah, but they kept saying, oh, he got busted over when he hit the I didn't know if he was like, and if you watch it back, the way he kind of turns, I don't know. I don't know if that body slam was mm. supposed to happen or if he was supposed to go head first. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know man. I think maybe anyway. the announcers were just confused. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it could have been. Could have been. Yeah, his feet crashed right through that sugar glass window in a pretty cool visual there. But yeah, like you said, it's just getting started, man. When the strap comes down, it is business time, baby. So Taker's going to take JBL on top of the limo and choke slam him. Through the roof of the limo. <laughs> definitely a soft top limo. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But it's so, still a cool visual, dude. Yeah, man. It's cool, man. I like it. So, yeah, he's going to do the old eyes in the back of the head. And the crowd's cheering at this point, man. They're just loving this part. So, um, he actually slides down the limousine as his music hits. But he hits, hits a little cool, another cool something here after he slides down the limo. Yeah, Undertaker, like, pulls a Brock Lesnar and... Takes mm-hmm. some of JBL's blood off of the white hood of the limo and great visual and smears it on his chest right there to assert his dominance, I guess. And he just he looks he looks scary. He looks like a monster. He looks like a demon. Yeah. Very intimidating. But this definitely got the crowd back into it. The last few minutes of the match did too. But the yeah. crowd loves this stuff, and it is a good way for Taker to get his heat back here, and uh, which he was always very good at doing. Uh, and yeah. As he walks away, Orlando Jordan comes back, and he drags JBL out of the limo, and again, his blood is everywhere. JBL has just, he's really been bleeding everywhere ever since he turned heel, yeah, man. Yeah. Every every month, he is getting busted open, so he's hes going all out, man, sure. trying to get over. 
and uh, the paramedics come out. They put him on a stretcher, and the crowd is doing the old na 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 na. Vince's favorite song. Oh yeah, it's good stuff, man. Uh, but before they can roll him out, Orlando Jordan stops the paramedics from what they're doing, yes. runs and gets JBL's <laughs> WWE Championship, and puts it on his chest, and JBL hugs it as he gets rolled out of the arena in a, again, just um, a bravo, bravo oh, yeah. heel move from JBL. Perfect, man. And for Orlando Jordan, that was good. Yeah. I don't know if he yeah. got fed that, but, but that was a great little touch there. I do love that, man. So, um, And after that, we're going to see the replay of that choke slam and... Um, to the, to the roof they're really putting that over and I just want to say you know we're kind of you know we're picking his career apart you know and looking at it like this seeing him grab that blood and put it on his chest was definitely not dead man character like that was not mm. the old dead man guy mm. it was definitely more of an American BA guy but like so to me it was just like this is the night you got to see the two blend like more submissions and then him doing that even though he's doing his eyes in the back of his head like you know normally he would like seeing this version of Taker rub the blood on his chest was just very, I don't know, it just felt like he's finally mixed the two to who he wants to become. I don't know. It just felt like that to me. So yeah, maybe it, I'm looking way too far. No, 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 not at all. We're definitely seeing him evolve, and that's what this podcast is all about, seeing him grow, seeing that character grow, yeah. and trying to figure out what this next stage of the dead man is as he tries to blend elements from both areas of his career here. So... Uh, yeah. I think that's a great call, a great catch. And, dude, I'll tell you what, man. I, this match was not bad. Like, the crowd takes away from it for sure. You know, but these guys had a pretty good match. You know, on paper, I would not have been impressed by this. But actually watching it, probably for the first time ever, man, I knew – I remember the ending, you know, the limo thing. But I um, this this was pretty good, man. It really I was agree. Great effort from both guys. Hard to so. hard for me to say that, but um, I, you know, me too. The uh, the submissions were cool. I enjoyed yeah. that, and yeah, you know, with a different crowd on a different night, this this could have been really good. But uh, I still thought that both guys gave it their all, and was very impressed, man. Very impressed with their mm-hmm. work tonight, and uh, I think it's it's worth going out of your way to to check out if you've never seen it before. You might be surprised by it. So. Uh, We'd love to hear your opinions on that, as we always do. So hit us with them over at Talking Taker on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know where to reach us. Uh, Leave a comment on your favorite podcasting service and go subscribe to us and leave a rating on there. Uh, We love to hear from you, and we love to read your comments on here every week. So a few of you guys did chime in with your thoughts on this match. Uh, at random Scott two on Twitter, Scott Robertson said, "The choke slam through the roof, and that is it. <laughs> Not a classic match. Uh, you know, it's better. I like we said, it's better than we remembered it. But yeah, that's definitely the uh, the iconic thing that everyone yeah. remembers out of this one. So for sure. Uh, and again, just goes to show you too, when it comes to the sports entertainment part, it doesn't even matter if you have a." Uh, a six-star match, 15-star match. It's the moments sometimes that are what you really remember, you know? Like, True. Sometimes it is the good, great matches, but most often than not, we remember little iconic moments rather than entire matches, you know? So, anyway. Sorry. Yeah, no, so you're right. An important <laughs> thing to remember when we think about this stuff. Uh, an, an iconic moment that James remembered at WAPW underscore wrestling. He said two words, the wave. That's what he remembered about this match. An iconic moment, if you will. 
at Watch Along. Get off my wave. <laughs> Excuse me. At Watch WrestlePod, he is Watch Along Wrestling. We talked about him on the show, a friend of the show. He said, uh, this was interesting. I remember the rumor being that Taker actually wanted to put over JBL clean, hmm. but JBL refused, saying it would ruin his persona, his, uh, you know, chicken bleep. Uh, chicken salad heel persona but that uh, hmm. uh, and that as well as something that's not on the network here uh, a fan jumping the guardrail and running to the top of the limo which was almost a disaster considering it was gimmicked and he would he would have ruined Ooh. everything if that would have that would have actually happened so uh, I didn't see that on the network version I don't remember that maybe uh, no, find it on YouTube sure. somewhere but Thanks, everybody, for chiming in. Uh, thanks to Randy Turco for chiming in at Pogi's Little Dog and confirming, which we suspected last week, that he owns the full box set of the Tales from the Crypt series. So yeah, he does. <laughs> we'll have to check those out with you sometime, Randy. <laughs> and uh, thanks to our good buddies, uh, Conrad Thompson and Bruce Pritchard, for taking our question on the yeah. latest edition of Something to Wrestle podcast. They did a Q&A episode uh, who knows? Last week. Yeah, whatever. Whenever you listen to this, whatever <laughs> number it is. But answered a uh, random question I had about Lord Alfred Hayes. I don't know why he was on my mind when they were <laughs> asking questions, but I love old Lord Alfred. And told a pretty good story about him, too. So, excellent story. But I uh, saw we gained a few followers from that and some people uh, chiming in that they heard about our podcast from that. So, if you're New to the show from Something to Wrestle. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out the archives on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio Podcast, all that good stuff. Uh, one guy at uh, Black Rexcellence said, uh, you know, this is the this is the type of content that's needed. It's talking taker. So thanks there for that, go. man. Thanks, and, buddy. Uh, like what you're doing too. He's going through uh, black pro wrestlers, past, present, and future. So talking about black culture and professional wrestling, I think that's a pretty cool idea. So that's go, a neat little concept. Absolutely, yeah. go check out his podcast uh, and enjoy what they're doing as well. And uh, of course, you can go check out and support what we're doing on tpublic.com. We mentioned it last week, man. We got them up there now. We got the King of Gong style shirts available for you guys. They are on sale for the first weekend. So this uh, next three days, you can get them for cheap when they're brand new. The King of Gong style off The Undertaker. Made it into a shirt. Or you can get any of the shirts. Take her easy (laughs) or take your care of business. All that good stuff. A little bit of the money goes back to support the show. So we do appreciate that, folks. And uh, Travis, uh, you got something that I think uh, you could plug uh, as well if you want to throw that out there. Oh, me personally? Sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, last week, if you're listening to this in real time, uh, I, on my personal Facebook page, I just put uh, you know an album of songs I've recorded. They're not not Undertaker songs. They're songs from the heart and songs about me and my friends and my family and faith. And they're just songs recorded and had some moments of inspiration really time to record them, so... Uh, I, I do write and record and haven't done it in a very, very long time, but with some uh, inspiration and some help and some pushing from friends like, like you, man, I was able to get it done and get it out there. So it's called Muse, and we, we can attach it to our talking take your Facebook and share it from there, but you're welcome to listen to it. It's 10, 10 or 11 tracks. It takes about 35 minutes to listen to, so check them out. See if you like them. If not, it's fine. So. 
I'm not making money <laughs> off of it, so no, no big deal. So, Absolutely, I like, man. I like the artist of the artistry of, of writing and, and recording, and the, it was fun to get to do it again. It's been about 10 years since I've done that, so it's fun. Absolutely, I'll put you over, man. You've uh, you've been playing music for, I mean, just pretty much as long as I've known you, but really yeah. got into it in high school and. I uh, was recording a lot of music, and so I've enjoyed getting to listen to your recorded music ever since then, and uh, you've kind of been releasing stuff, little bits and pieces there throughout the years, so I'm glad you have uh, made a full album worth of stuff, and I appreciate you putting it out into the world, and I uh, encourage you guys to check it out. It may not be your thing, uh, yeah. but you know, go check out Travis and support what he's doing out there. Uh, just another venture outside of the world of wrestling. You know, we've talked about uh, the. Uh, you know, we both are, are Christians. We're believers. It's a big part of our life, and uh, you know, I know your faith influenced this album. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's not what you would call it, like a you know an overt you know like no, a praise yeah. and worship Christian album, but you know. Your faith in your family inspired that. So, you know, it may not be for everyone, but if you want to go check it out, we'll put the links out up there. And I think it's great work, and I'm proud of you, buddy, for putting it out there. I appreciate it, man. appreciate it. I, uh, consider the Ravens. That's my that's my favorite tune on the album. So if you're going to check that out, uh, give that a listen for sure. There you go. Try number six. There you go. On the playlist. <laughs> so there you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you were there, if you were one of these – nutty canucks at the air canada center in toronto uh please let us know what <clears throat> they served at the uh you know vending machines that night or the concession stands what what were y'all drinking because uh, uh it was crazy but anyway yeah um let us know how it was and what you remember about this match in particular obviously the main event is what it is uh, it's iconic and and always go down in history and well actually been erased from history the main event has so uh we just see randy orton winning the title from an invisible person that's right uh, as as a young man so but anyway what did you remember about this show and uh this match in particular and uh ladies and gentlemen other than that i got two words for you wait 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 wait. hey hang on hang on hang on on. Uh, you You cut me off man man i just feel like i feel this episode's missing something it's just like I know we put JBL over, but it's just like ugh, Orlando Jordan and talking about Tiny Taker. It's just like it's just, it's just I'm not. I feel like we're not giving the fans everything they need here, man. And uh, you know, you said you don't have any. You didn't write any Undertaker songs for your new album. It's not really about that. Like, are you sure? Are you sure you can't like dig up something from those creative juices and? You know, you know, blend these two worlds, your, your musical skill and, and the world of Talking Taker. Like, I just feel like you've got something like that in you. Well, I have been inspired recently. Oh, and, yeah? Um, yeah, I have. And um, I'll tell you what, man. I'll try something out. Yeah? I'll get something to try. Yeah, I'll pick up my guitar. I'll strum a few strings, and I'll try to sing something. And, uh, yeah, man, we'll, we'll do. I'll, I'll do my first Undertaker song here. So how about Okay, that? okay. Sound good? All right, yeah. Do you think you could like make it like tie it into the you know your catchphrase those two words you, you share with us at the end of every episode? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, I will. You know, I'll take uh, tell you what, I'll take the man who walks with angels. I'll turn that from the uh, he could be a man who walks with the eagles as well. <laughs> so I'll take the eagles and I'll take uh, take it easy, and I'll tell you what, I'll turn that on his head and call it take her easy. I'm running down the road with Bob Barron in tow I got 15 titles on my mind 
Seven world ones, one hardcore and seven tags with four different guys. Take her easy, take her easy. Don't let the sound of gongs and bells drive you crazy. Lights open, raise my hands. Don't even try to understand the supernatural dead man. So take her easy. Well, I'm standing on the corner of Death Valley, California. Such a bright fire I see. It's my house, my lord, burned to the floor. Lost my parents, brother, everything. Come on, Kane, please don't blame me. Paul Bearer took me in as his and tried to train me. Rarely lose, I usually win. I never thought I'd see you again. You opened up the cell and climbed in so freaking easy. Running down the road and I'm all on my own Got a decade of destruction Call me big evil, not red, But do call me American Take her easy, take her easy Don't let the sound of Olympus get Drive you crazy Come on, fancy Coming back, it's the dead man So take her easy Wanna take her easy Wanna take her easy